0: to the Bean Ninjas Podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas Podcast. And today, we're joined by Francisca Easley. And when I was doing some research prior to the show, I was checking out some of Francisca's websites and noticed some surfing photos and lifestyle photos. So I think we have to start with what is your favorite surf spot, Francesca?
1: Ooh, you know what? I live in Narrabin on the northern beaches in Sydney. And Narrabin has to be one of my favorite ones because it's my local break. And then overseas, I love a break in the Maldives called Chickens. So I'm a righty. Ride- a goofy footer. <laughs> yeah, a righty. So I love Lefties. <laughs> so. That's really funny. That one of my favorite surf spots in the
0: Maldives is actually Jailbreaks, which is really? a little bit further right hand up
1: It's a right. Yeah, I know. I like jails, too, but is it the right or the left? That's the right. Whereas
0: chickens, that was the yeah the left. I haven't actually surfed that spot.
1: Yeah, and Sultan's is next to gels They're both right handers, and then chickens, one of the only left in the north atoll there. Yes, it's one of my favorites because it's a little bit remote. And that island is really beautiful, that chicken island. So, yeah, that's probably going to be one of my favorite ones.
0: But I haven't been there for a couple of years. So, this the talk of those surf breaks is making me want to go back.
1: Oh, same. I went last year, but I think I need to book another one.
0: <laughs> yes. Wonderful. So, we're here today to talk about business, but also lifestyle and how you can run a lifestyle business. So, why don't we start with a little bit of your backstory about how you got into business and the businesses that you're running these
1: days? Yeah, of course. So, I think, you know, your listeners can probably hear I'm not Australian. <laughs> I have an accent. Well, I am actually Australian. I have an Australian passport. I grew up in Switzerland. So, I'm Swiss Australian, Swazi. And I moved to Australia 14 years ago and that's really also when I really got into surfing and before I started my own businesses I studied marketing and political science at university in Geneva and then I sort of had this discussion the other day I just sort of fell into advertising I started working in advertising because I did have a marketing degree and 10 years ago my father suddenly passed away he had a heart attack he was pretty young 58 and it made me suddenly rethink my whole life and what I'm doing with my time and the impact that I'm having or not having. And so I just decided that I think I can do things better than what I'm doing in my advertising agency. And so I started with Christo, my business partner. I started Basic Bananas 10 years ago. And the whole premises of Basic Bananas is to educate small business owners to help them do better marketing. Because we found, and especially when I was working in advertising, I found that small, medium-sized companies don't have access to advertising agencies. It's expensive to work with ad agencies at that level. And they also don't really know how to market. And so we started basically to educate smaller, medium-sized companies in terms of how they can attract customers, how they can grow their businesses. And so we created programs for them. And now I sometimes have to pinch myself. Now we are, we started just two of us in Sydney and now we are 33 team members across the world and running in across Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the US, and recently we started in Switzerland. So that's the business that most people know me for. What I've started a few years ago and what I'm working on this year also more heavily is a company which you would actually love, I think. It's called Ocean Lovers. And the concept is that we produce products at Ocean Lovers that are sustainable and inspired by the ocean. So our main product at the moment is a surf suit that is made from plastic bottles and fishing lines, and it's beautiful. And so that's our first product we're looking at, adding more products in the upcoming months. But that's the second business. You know, We have a few other businesses, but that's the one that I'm spending some time on at the moment.
0: And you're right. As a surfer,
1: that sounds like an amazing
0: product. And I think as someone who's involved, enjoys being in the ocean, it's really important to do what we can. Help them.
1: And that's how it came about, too, you know, especially in the Maldives. So you sit in this beautiful ocean and there's so much rubbish, there's so much plastic, and that really made my heart a little bit hurt a few years ago. And I just thought, I have to do something about this. And it's amazing that you had
0: been able to scale the other business, Basic Bananas, to the point that you were able to spend time on something like this. So could you talk me through some of that evolution from starting 10 years ago with? it just being you and Christo to that evolution of a team of, I think you said, over 30 staff around the world, but that's amazing growth. And what did that look like?
1: Yeah. So obviously in the beginning, Christo and I, we did everything ourselves. You know, it was very hands on. It still is now, but then slowly as we started growing, the most important thing I think as an entrepreneur is to be able to let go of control. So to not micromanage. And then you build something. It's like, it's your baby. It's, you're very proud of it and you don't want to let go. So I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they just get stuck in the daily routine and they get stuck in the business without having the flexibility to travel because they're holding on to everything. So from the very beginning, as we started hiring people, the first team member was a part-time person. And then, you know, then we hired our first full-time person. That was like a big, scary step. And then the next one and then the next one. But most importantly, I think, What helped us is two things. One is not micromanaging. So basically giving team members responsibility. And secondly, also having really good processes in place. And so the processes are really important for us so that when other people are coming into the business or we're growing, that they know exactly how to deliver a product or a service or, you know, operations that is consistent with our brand. So having really good systems. And, you know, we basically just record, we have like an online Operation systems that we use in Google Sites, where we record everything. And we also, we are just, you know, quite firm on having efficient processes.
0: And how did you define your, the difference between your role and Christo's role? Did he come from a similar background to you from that, from advertising? Or,
1: yeah, how did you figure that out? Very different background and also very different personality. So we actually, the roles just naturally evolved into what they are. So Christo's background is he was a professional surfer for seven eight years and then he bought his own company which was a company called soft sports australia he had two partners in that business where they make these beginner surfboards and they delivered or they made produced surfboards for most major surf schools around australia and then he sold his share bought another business a license for surf products also in the surfing industry and then we joined forces 10 years ago and we were actually quite a good team because in a team, what you generally want to have to have a really powerful leadership team is you want to have an implementer, somebody who is really good with implementation and the details. And then you want to have somebody who is really good at vision and strategy and driving the vision, the big picture. I'm naturally the visionary. I'm probably sometimes a bit too big picture, but I'm naturally the person that sees the big picture and the ideas and the direction. And Christo is naturally really good at numbers. So he's, Basically the CFO, we call him the CFO here. So anything financially related goes to him. Anything that is strategic or marketing related goes to me.
0: That's really interesting. And the audience would know, I've talked about, I've had a couple of different business partners and the first time around I had a business partner with a very similar skill set to me and that made it difficult to define what our roles were. There was too much overlap. And my business partner now, Wayne, We do have some similar skills in that we've both come to the business being accountants, but we've done the rocket fuel test where it looks at, are you a visionary or are you an integrator, which is pretty similar to what you talked about with someone thinking big picture and then someone being the implementer or the integrator and really making things happen and holding the team accountable. And so we've had some conversations around that to make sure that we're not treading on each other's toes and we're really growing the business in the best way that we can. So Sounds like you and Christo naturally fell into that, which was probably really helpful, especially in the early days.
1: And then also just, you know, making sure we don't double up. So sometimes even when I'm on emails that I don't need to be in, I just let people know I say, Look, don't come to me for this, go to Christo or vice versa. So it's you know, also when you have business partners, sometimes you just double the work because you need to be on everything. I don't want to be on everything. <laughs> 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 I also trust Christo and also he trusts me. So it's basically good because it's okay you look after this I trust you I look after this and it's not doubling the work you know load basically what did you find what's your role in your business
0: so I've got the job title of CEO and my business partner Wayne has the job title director of operations so he runs even though he's got a lot of visionary tendencies he runs the bookkeeping arm of the business and we realized that we couldn't have two visionaries so I've stepped out of that to let him run that and be able to still act like a visionary with that part of the business. And then I'm focused on building training and coaching products. So it's actually really interesting talking to you because it sounds like that part of your business model with basic bananas is, is it delivering events and doing live training? Is that the core? of
1: the? So we do have online programs too, marketing programs that are teaching business owners how to market. The core of the business is Face to face workshops. And the reason why, you know, people often ask, why don't you just do online? It's so much easier. You don't have to hire venues all around the world and you don't have to spend so much money on, you know, doing face to face stuff. And the reason why we still do face to face is because people need the face to face. People need to get out of their businesses. They need to come together into a tribe, into a community of like minded people where they can feel safe and share what they're going through and learn together in real life scenario not at home alone behind the computer and so a lot of our training we have a, our main training is a 12-month program it's called the clever bunch and people come into the program across the world in small groups where they get together every month and they go through the program where every month they learn how to implement different marketing strategies and you know the reason why it works so well is because it is offline they come and they get together and they're part of a community now and this is really important and we're going to keep doing that even though you know it would be easy to just do online we're going to keep doing the offline for as long as we possibly can
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense in bringing people together and creating that tribe where they can learn from each other through that implementation
1: exactly and you know it can be lonely as an entrepreneur often you just you know you don't know where to go and you have challenges and you don't have anyone to talk to And so this is a really good way for them to not feel lonely.
0: This is a question that is useful for me as well as someone that's only just starting to get into the education space. How did you decide what topics to cover? So marketing is quite a broad topic, the way that accounting and bookkeeping is a very broad topic. So how did you decide what content to cover and what order to put it in and what level to pitch it at?
1: It was super strategic. So I come from advertising And marketing, although having a marketing degree, I've got a master's degree in marketing, doesn't really mean very much, to be honest, because the whole 4P and all this stuff. So yesterday, so that stuff, well, maybe, I don't know, I haven't been at the university in so long, but stuff that sometimes you learn in these degrees is like not taught by entrepreneurs. (laughs) So the program is super strategically put together because working, especially when I was working in advertising with businesses on the ground, you know, with them in the trenches, I. Learn what were the elements for a business to put together a marketing machine so basically 10 years ago we looked at okay what are all the necessary ingredients that a business needs in order to have a functioning marketing machine that just works for them and that's pretty much how we built the program so that the program is super strategic it starts at the beginning with what is your overarching strategy so what is your umbrella strategy in terms of growing your company and then we look at the next element, which is your positioning, because before you choose your media channels, your marketing channels, you want to make sure you have really good positioning of your business. So your branding has to be amazing. That We also have a branding agency, so they all interlinked. Your branding has to be amazing. Your messaging has to be attracting the right customers, et cetera. So then the next stage is, okay, now we look at different marketing strategies. Some are online, some are offline. But the whole, basically how we put the sequence together is so that every module, every month is building onto the previous one and it's all very logical. And is there
0: a particular size of business that would really benefit from that? So is it pitched at someone that's just starting out or, or someone that might have been in business for a couple of years or did, maybe that doesn't matter?
1: Yeah, the perfect market for the program for the Color bunch, is any business that has been at least we prefer businesses that have been in business already one or two years so they have proven the concept so usually turnover between 250 up to five six million in revenue so it's quite small we do have a lot of startups too because a lot of startups are recognizing well if i do this stuff right from the beginning i might actually make it past the startup phase so we don't pitch it at startups we pitch it more at the scale-ups We do get a lot of startups too in the program, which I actually am grateful for them because I know that if they do come, they will definitely have a higher chance of surviving the first few years because they're doing the stuff that matters.
0: Next, I wanted
1: to talk a little bit about
0: your book, Perception, Take Charge of How Others View Your Brand, Become Irresistible and Make a Bigger Impact. Awesome title.
1: Thank you.
0: (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about the premise of the book? And then I've got some other questions about the process of, of actually
1: writing it yeah sure so perception is our latest book although i've got a new one coming this year i'm working on i can tell you more about that and perception is all about that piece the positioning piece where we look at how do you want to position your business or yourself the book perception can be applied to both business and personal branding and we look at how do you want to position yourself in order to attract the right customers or if it's for a person how do you want to position yourself in order to attract the right opportunities or the right jobs. Etc. And really, the question that we ask is ask yourself, how do you want to be perceived? And then think about what is that identity that you want to create. So, for basic bananas, the identity is that we have a little bit of cheekiness in how we go about business. We also want to be known for simplifying marketing, making it comprehensive and super professional at the same time as cheeky. And so, once you have your positioning, you then make sure that your perception you make sure that you look at your customer journey. So a customer journey is basically what touch points is your customer going through with you. could be maybe they have emails with you, phone calls, websites, social media, maybe they get a proposal, maybe they come into your offices. You want to make sure that at every touch point throughout this customer journey, you are reflecting your perception. Because when you do that, you also become talk aboutable. So when you have this really amazing perception in your business, that is congruent at every touch point, you become talkable. You know, at Ocean Lovers, of course, we are all about the ocean and we're also all about adventures and sustainability. And so every touch point that we have from the packaging, the letterheads, the social media, it all reflects the ocean feel, of course, which is quite easy with imagery. But the packaging, for example, is sustain Everything that we do has to be sustainable. So the packaging, where how the surf suits are being packaged and sent out, comes in sustainable packaging. Also, the surf suits come with these bag tags that actually Julia here, who runs the branding agency, she came up with this concept. It's super smart, where instead of just having a normal clothing label tag, it's got a bag tag. It's a little bag. And inside the bag, it's got a, a decomposable bag. And on outside, it says, hey, next time you go to the beach, why don't you pick up a few pieces of rubbish to help us make our fish happy? Something like that. This is all creating a perception and it's all congruent with the brand. It's super powerful when you do that in your business because it makes you more attractive and it makes your brand stronger, which means that then your marketing is more effective.
0: It's interesting. We often hear stories about the plumber with the leaky tack, but it sounds like you're not in that situation and you're applying your own marketing and branding skills to your businesses too, which is great.
1: Oh, you mean the plumber? That, oh, I see. You have a-
0: with a leaky tap, yeah. <laughs> they don't take after their, they don't
1: look after their own. I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we definitely have to walk the talk, especially, you know, in this space because there are a lot of people that just have a leaky tap and we definitely want to make sure that we don't.
0: <laughs> yeah. How did you find the process of writing the book
1: and how did you carve
0: out the time to put the work in?
1: Yeah, look, every time, this is my third book that I almost finished this manuscript now. Every time I, you know, start a new book, Halfway through, I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? <laughs> it is the process, and it's painful at times, most of the <laughs> time. <laughs> you know, the first draft is a lot of fun, because it's like, you know, you have all these ideas, and it's exciting, and you put it down. But the first draft is like 5% of the whole process. You think that you've just done it, and then you read the thing, and you're like, actually, this needs a lot of work. And I remember the first book took about a year. The second book took two years. We we actually the first book's I co-wrote with Christo, and the second one we went to Mexico. We said let's just go to Mexico. There's a a break called Nexpa, and it's pretty remote. There's hardly any internet. We just go surf and write. So we did that for a week, and also drink a little bit of tequila. And then (laughs) we came back, and we're like, yeah, we just we've written this book. I think you know pretty much work all day in between surfing, and came back and read the thing. I'm like, nah, this we need to be rewritten the whole thing because I don't ever want to publish anything that I can't fully be completely proud of and say this is the best I could have done so it's a huge process and with this book that I'm working on right now it's about courage it started with a program that I did for Mindvalley Mindvalley is a personal development company out of Asia and I flew over to do a program with them on courage. They asked me, I know the founder, he said, hey, could you do something on courage? I said, yes. So I put something together. That was like two years ago. And then in the back of my head, I thought, you know what? I could probably write a book on this. This is really interesting, but did nothing for a year. And then last year in June, I started this adventure. I'm riding a motorbike around the world and I'm doing it in stages. So I started riding in June from Switzerland, where my family is, to Asia, to Georgia, left my bag there, and then I'm going to continue in two months through Asia, through all the stands, Kazakhstan, Iran. I'm going to go through Iran. I'm looking into the visa right now. And anyway, through all these countries. And so I'm traveling with a friend, and he said, you should write a book on courage. I said, well, funny you say that, because I've been thinking about it. He said, you should do it right now while you're writing and you have so much time in your helmet. You know, sometimes eight hours a day just in my helmet <laughs> alone, thinking. So I started the process of writing the book while I was on this trip, four, five, six weeks. And then I came home. And then I just, so the question that you ask, where do you find time? I don't really have time, but I just got up super early every morning for maybe two months. I would just, I think super early. I would get up maybe at five. I would write for two, three hours before work. And then I go and work. And then my intentions was always, okay, I'm going to write again in the night. But I'm not a night person. I can't really do a lot of good work in the night. But you might be more of a night person. I definitely recommend you find out when you can do your best work. Mine is in the morning. So I just take times in the morning, one, two, three hours, and then also weekends. And then I just you know wrote the first version, the first draft, gave it to an editor. She ripped it apart a little bit and just said, hey, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. Transition here. This content doesn't go in this book. Just ripped it apart. And then I went over it again for a few months over christmas and that was my second draft and i gave it to a few of my friends to read and now i'm finalizing the manuscript my deadline is in three weeks so i have three weeks to finalize it but then that's not finalized then that goes to the editor then it comes back to me then it goes to the proofreader and then it goes to the typesetter and then it goes to the also i will have a designer we have a design team I'll have a designer to design some of the inside pages, then it will get printed.
0: There's so many directions I could take the conversation from here. But the motorbike riding trip, that just sounds incredible. So you've done mm. yeah, you the first stint of that. And so you're picking up and how many more months do you think you have and how many stages are you breaking the trip into?
1: Yeah, I think I still have a few years to go because I bet you <laughs> but I want to go around the world, but I have to do it in stages. Basically add. First of all, I don't want to be on my motorbike for a whole year in a row. I think, you know, that would drive me nuts. So I do it in sort of four, five, six weeks at a time. So the first stage I did, Switzerland, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, Albania, Greece, Turkey, Georgia. Georgia in Central Asia. And then I left the bike in Tbilisi, which is the capital there. And now I'm going to go back in the beginning of May and then continue from Georgia into Armenia and then Iran, and then Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and then Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan into Kazakhstan. And then that will probably take about four or five weeks. Then I will leave the bike in Kazakhstan, and then I will continue east through Asia, Mongolia, and then up Russia. That will take another five, six weeks. And then I will maybe take the... You can take the ferry up in Siberia to Alaska, and then go Alaska all the way south, you know, through... Alaska, Canada, the U.S., South America. It will take me a few years if I do it. I want to do it once or twice a year in, you know, a month or so, once or twice a year. That will take me a while.
0: And so do you fly back home to Australia? Are you back in Narrabeen in between times or are you working out from other places?
1: No, it depends what I have, if I have conferences or speaking gigs. around, You know, last time I was in Switzerland for a month before heading off on that journey because i had some work in switzerland we just launched there and i had a speaking gig there and then after i flew back to sydney this time i'm gonna fly straight to georgia from sydney oh no that's actually not true i think i'm gonna be i might be in in hong kong i'm not sure i think i have a conference in hong kong my base is definitely sydney and our head office is where i'm at right now here with the team is in Narrabin. and so i Definitely this year, I tried to be here as much as I can. I love it here. And so, definitely, my base is Sydney. And then I just go from here, I jump back onto wherever I leave the bike and then continue and then come back to wherever I have to be.
0: Yeah, that sounds incredible. And you talked about speaking at Mind Valley event around courage. What was the talk on?
1: So, it was basically about how to be more courageous. So, how to live a life where you feel like you are not inhibited by fears. So, how to make all the decisions and obviously as an entrepreneur this is something that you do a lot and so in the book i go through 12 principles about how to break through your fears and how to be courageous and you know that there are principles on trust for example how to develop trust in yourself and others i talk a little bit about also love you know how love also helps you be courageous not the romantic kind only but just in general kindness non-attachment so just talking flow also how to When you go with the flow, when you're not stuck in being a control freak, basically, that also helps you to step into courage. So I did that sort of what I did at that Mind Valley program. They just did an interview on that topic. And I, I think it's been a few years, but I think I then broke it down into a few different topics. You've mentioned it a
0: couple of times throughout the interview that you speak at different events and different conferences. And was speaking something that you had always enjoyed and was that something you were doing before you started Basic Bananas or is that a skill that you've developed over time?
1: Yeah, I've always loved it. It's actually one of my favourite things at the moment in the business other than, than leading the team here and strategy. I love – I'm actually – you know, I mentioned to you I'll have to head off to the city in a minute to go to an event to speak. And I love it because it's variety for me. I'm a variety lover and I, the audience is always different, obviously. and. Sometimes the audience is very easy. It's like, okay, this is really easy. They're laughing. because I I also like to make my talks not just informative, but also entertaining. I want them to be also a little bit entertained. And so it's just, I love the variety. And sometimes I have an audience where it's like, okay, these guys don't think I'm funny at all. (laughs) (laughs) What do we do if that happens? I usually always crack them, but sometimes it takes two minutes. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes. So it depends a little bit on the audience and it probably also depends a little bit how I'm feeling, to be honest. I'm sure it's a reflection of how I'm feeling too. I'm very down to earth and I'm very honest. So normally that's what they, they normally laugh a little bit with me, at me. I take things pretty lightheartedly and playfully. So they usually just crack up because I'm making fun of myself about stuff that I'm not good at. (laughs) So I love it, yes. And did I always do that? No, not really. I did a lot of pitching. So when I was in advertising, it was not so much as, you know, getting up in front of a big crowd and speak like I do now. It was more group, uh, smaller meetings where I would pitch ideas and the strategy that we came up for our clients. So it was more presenting, but not in terms of get up on stage and talk in front of hundreds of people. Interesting. And...
0: Before we wrap up, I have a couple of questions around hiring for you. I know you run quite a big team now. How do you find great staff? What do you look for?
1: We actually, you know, one of our best strategies to find great team is we hire based on values. So we have obviously the normal interview questions, you know, to assess their skills, et cetera. And then we also always in the interview, we always ask questions based on our values. So one of our values is innovation here at basic bananas so we want to make sure that we hire someone who can be innovative at least at work so a question we would also ask would be when was the last time you improved on something and then if they say i don't like improving or i don't like change then they're not the right person or one of our other values is generosity being generous so we would ask a question also which asks what is one kind act that you have done for someone and if they say I don't ever do anything kind for anyone. Again, we know they're not the right person. So other than assessing their skills, we very much are very big on hiring people that fit into the culture. And I think that is what has helped us not only develop a high performance team, but also a very happy team because they get along with each other. And a lot of our people actually have been here for at least three, four, five years. And I remember when some of them started, they weren't the best in their skill, you know, they weren't like the rock stars, but they were rock stars as a human. And then we helped them develop their skills. Because I do think that if you hire the right person, you can train most people up to be a rock star. So our strategy is not so much to get the rock stars and then not have the values aligned, but it's to get people that are rock star humans and then get them the rock star skills. I love the way you put that,
0: hire rock star humans and then help them to become rock stars. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I really just came out because you asked me about the Rockstar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. And I'd love to see you speak sometime. Sounds like it would be really fun
1: and interesting. You are in Queensland. You know what we should do, actually? We can maybe give you and anyone, your team, your friends, your customers, your listeners, we can give them a ticket to come to our half-day session. We have a half-day workshop that we run also in Brisbane. And in most major cities around Australia. And maybe what we do is they can just email admin at basicbananas.com and then let's tell them to put the name of the show, of your show. Yeah, Bean Ninjas. Let's,
0: if everyone just writes Bean Ninjas, which is B E A N N I N J A
1: S. Perfect. So if they can just put that into the subject line and say, hey, Francisca and Merrill gave us a free ticket to Blastoff. They can get a free ticket and the link, if they want to check it out first, is basicbananas.com, forward slash blast, B-L-A-S-T, a little dash in the middle, of O-F-F, blast. Of. And we'll link to that in the show
0: notes
1: as well. Yeah, perfect. And then for different countries, it's forward slash USA, forward slash Switzerland, forward slash Canada. So then they can maybe just get a free ticket, of course, you can come to. Yeah, thank you so much for that.
0: And as I said, we'll put that in the show notes too. I normally ask the best way to get in touch, but you've actually already shared your email address and also the website. Is there anywhere else to get in touch with you or are they the best two places?
1: That's definitely a good place. And then if they want to get in touch with me, they can also email me. And you know the best way to probably go about it? If they want to check out my personal website, it's Francisca Easily. You know, my spelling is a little bit interesting, F-R-A-N-Z like zebra i-s-k-a-i-s-e-l-i dot and there's a contact form on there you can get in touch with me or on social media i'm under that name on i don't really use twitter that much but i will get the messages And instagram and facebook and linkedin or if they just email admin at basic Grounds and tell them it's for me my team will send it to me too fantastic
0: well thanks again for coming on the show it's been fun
1: no thank you you're a great interview thanks for having me
0: By the way, are you wanting support to get paid and make better decisions? We've put together a Zero Small Business Toolkit, including cash flow forecast templates and guides to setting up Zero. Grab it for free at slash Zero Toolkit. And that's X E R O T O L K I T.